And I want you, if you would, to open with me in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. First Corinthians chapter one. Let's look at the last two verses of this chapter. We'll start in verse 30. So read that with me if you would. But of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, that according as it is written, he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. That first verse says that Christ, when we give our life to Christ, that God the Father takes Jesus and he makes him unto us. Our wisdom and sanctification and righteousness and redemption. The Lord is that to us. And it happens at the moment that we give our life to Christ. And I want to talk about this this morning, that what the Lord does in our lives, he does it by his power. He does it out of his goodness and by his grace. And what he does in saving us is a work that it happens uh, instantly. The Bible speaks of it as being so great salvation. And God takes the God the Father takes his son and makes him unto us all those things that are needed in our life. We need the righteousness of Christ. Well, as soon as we pray to give our lives to Jesus, we have Christ as our righteousness. It's not developing to be that. And this is what I want to talk about this morning. When Peter preached on the day of Pentecost, we mentioned this in Sunday school. It says, And they that, were, that gladly received his word were baptized in the same day, that same moment. These people had just heard the gospel moments before, just moments before. The same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. And here's what we're going to look at this morning. I believe God would have us to rejoice and be thankful for this fact. This is not evolution. This is not evolution. It's a work of God. It's not spiritual evolution. It is not, uh, it's not an intelligent man becoming somewhat more intelligent and then a little more intelligent, or a strong man being gradually becoming stronger, or a fit man becoming more fit, nor is it even just a spiritual man who com- becomes a little bit more spiritual. It is, it's not an evolution at all. It's not evolution at all. It, it, Brother Clendenin talked about when he was saved, he didn't know the Lord. He was a hard man. He worked in the oil fields in West Texas. His wife was a Christian. She was praying for him. He went to church one day where the gospel was preached, and he got saved. And the way he puts it, and became a follower of Jesus till the day he died, he says, I went in going south, and I came out going north. It is a total transformation. It is a total work. And I'm not saying that we're sanctified at a moment. That's, that's a lifelong process. I am talking about salvation where we come to meet the Lord. Uh, the Bible, Jesus says, he, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that heareth my words and believeth on him that sent me shall have everlasting life and shall not come under condemn, unto condemnation, but is passed from death to life. You think about that. He that hears the words of Jesus and believes is passed from death to life. Well, when did that happen? What well, happened over a long period of time and they gradually came to this understanding? No, it happened when they gave their life to Christ. It happens when we're born again. We're born again. Ephesians 2.1, Paul says, You hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. 
We were dead in trespasses and sins. We believed on Jesus Christ and gave our life to Christ. And he quickened us and gave us new life. It is a complete change. It is a complete transformation from death to life. My sinful life for his holy life. He comes to live in me. He did not live in me before. When I got saved in the moment I got saved and not before, Christ came to live in my heart and came to live in your heart when you gave your life to Jesus. We are new creatures. The Bible says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is what? A new creature. If any man, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. New means fresh, okay? That's what it means. We're, we're new creatures, and it's that different. It's that complete. Honestly, it's a difference. I read in uh, one minister, I was reading a book, and he says it's, it, the change is com- as complete as being, becoming, go, moving from being creations of God, which we all are, to being sons of God. Are we just created by God, like everybody is and everything is, or, or, or are we sons of God? Or are we daughters of God? Because the change is that complete, it's that significant. And I think who but the Lord can do such things as this? This salvation is of the Lord. Hebrews says it's described as a so great salvation. It, it is great. And I think sometimes we just uh, get, get caught up and we, we take it all for granted. But the Bible says Jesus... Uh, John records in John chapter 1, but as many, he came unto his own and his own, but received him not, the Jewish people as a whole. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become, what? Sons of God. Even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of the blood, nor of the the will of man, nor of the will of the flesh, but of God. It's a born again, okay, a born again. It's a complete transformation and a new life that we have in Christ. And so the question this morning for, for someone that may be a churchgoer and you've gone to church uh, for years, are you a created by God, which we all are, or are you a son of God? Are you a child of God? Are you a daughter of God? Because in Christ, we're new creatures and we're creatures of God and we're new in Christ. I know that when I've shared the gospel with people and probably you have too, you know, you, you find all kinds of people, this, this world we live in, when you share the gospel, there are people that are adamantly opposed and, and want nothing to do with Christianity. But a lot of people just will say that I'm already that. You know what I mean? I'm already Christian. And maybe you've known her for years and you never saw any fruit in their lives, no evidence of Christ in their lives, and you're concerned for their soul. And God put them on your heart to go bring the gospel to and everybody's okay. I go to church, or a lot of times if you're, you're talking to people about Jesus, I know personally when I've shared the gospel with people, praise God, I've got to lead some to the Lord, and some have wanted nothing to do with it, just like when you share. But I've shared the gospel with people, and the first thing out of their mouth, can I, can I talk to you about the Lord? Are you born again? Do you know Jesus? Oh, I go to church, not as much as I should. This is the first things out of their mouth, or I believe in God, or I was baptized when I was little, or I, I could do better. I mean, just initially, just to, are you born again? Do you know Christ? Well, I could do better. Um, and there's all these different things, and it's kind of like they're halfway or they're partway, at least in their minds. They're partway or halfway Christians. I, I believe in God, 
You know, the Bible says the devils believe and tremble. It's not really helping them out, okay? They know that Christ is Christ. The, the question is, are you new in Christ? When we're sharing the gospel with people, are you new in Christ? Are you born again? And we hear these things like, I could do better. Well, so could I, okay? We could all do better. I'm not asking, could you do better? I'm not asking to go to, if you're going to church every time the doors are open. I'm not asking if you're a missionary. I'm asking, are you born again? Do you know Christ? And I think there's a lot of con- confusion sometimes on this point, and we feel like I go to church some, and I could do better, but I'm doing pretty good. Um, but the Bible says if we're in Christ, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. So I want God would have us to hear this this morning. For, for many of you, it's going to be so simple, and that's okay. God still wants us to hear it. Listen, a lost man is lost until he's saved. A lost man is lost, or a woman, until he or she is saved. And they're not partially lost. They're completely lost. If they've gone to, if they've gone to church for 30 years, a lost man is lost until he's saved. He's not partially lost and partially saved. He is completely lost until he is completely saved. When Paul was in prison towards the end of his life, and he was being shuffled basically from Jerusalem, from prison to prison, uh, Caesarea Philippi, and then eventually to Rome, uh, he was testifying before Agrippa. He was sharing his testimony of how the Lord Jesus saved him on that Damascus road. And he was sharing it with King Agrippa. And Agrippa said, Paul, almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. Almost. And he was right there. But guess what? He's still lost. He's as lost as he ever was. He'd heard the gospel, and he was enticed by it. And he might have been intrigued by some of it, but he was still lost. And Paul says, oh, I wish you were not almost, but altogether like I am. Except for these chains, he says. I want you to be completely like me, not almost. And I think there's a lot of people that, that consider themselves to be okay and so forth, and yet they're not born again. A lost man is lost. He is a child of Adam. He is still a child of Adam until he or she becomes new in Christ. They're in death, and so was I when I was lost, and we're in death and completely until that time, until we pass from death unto life. No, no matter how much an individual may consider themselves a seeker of God or open-minded to the gospel or different religions or how much they may ponder the things of God and probe into the things of God, no matter how much they attend church or mentally in their minds agree with some of the facts of the gospel, no matter how much they're interested in, interested in spiritual matters, he or she is lost until they're saved. They're dead until they're alive. And they're not partially dead and partially alive. We don't read that anywhere in the scriptures. Paul talks about in the last days, and I don't think it's just the last days, but we're living in the last days. But he says that there'll be people that are ever learning and never, never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Ever learning. Some, they, they just might be very intrigued and interested in spiritual things 
And they consider themselves spiritual and they try different things and experiment in different things. And maybe they've got on a Christian kick for a little while. And they do the Christian thing for a while. But until they're born again, they're lost. Ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. A lost man is still the old man. He's an old creature until he becomes the new man, Christ living in them and a new creature in Christ. Here's the point of this message today that one does not ease into Christianity. You know, there's lots of things in life where we may do that. You get a new job at work. It's something you're totally unfamiliar with. And somebody trains you. And for the first week, you just watch an operator operate at the plant and see what he's doing. And then for a few hours, they're going to let you do a few things. And you ease into it. And before long, you've learned it and you're an operator at the plant. Okay? Christianity is not that. We don't ease into eternal life. We don't ease into eternal life. We don't ease into being uh, reconciled unto God. We don't ease into being justified by God in the sight of God. We don't ease into slowly over a long period of time having our sins forgiven and being washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. That does happen in a moment. And we're washed in the blood many times after that. The point of this is that we don't just ease into somehow along the way I became a Christian and I entered the kingdom of God. We're born again. It's radical. It is a radical change. Our sanctification takes a lifetime. Our sanctification, becoming more like Christ in every way and the fruit of the Spirit, that is our whole lifetime after we're saved. I'm talking about the the moment of salvation is a moment. What's revealed in the Scriptures and proclaimed by, by Christ is that we pass from death to life. It's not, one does not gradually, over a long period of, t- of time, and at some indefinite moment in time, become a Christian and ease into this, become saved. And I guess I'm okay with God now. I used to go to church twice a week, now I go three times or four times a week. That's not what the new birth is all about. We're born again. We're born into this life. And you'd ask them and say, well, I've been going to church a long time. Are you a Christian? Well, I guess by now I would consider myself a Christian. It's not what's taught in the Scriptures. It says in 1 Peter 2 that uh, it said we were, who were not a people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. We're not a people, but now we are the people of God now. There's a change. There's a, a sudden ch- change of passing from death to life. Listen, in a natural sense, every human being is born into this life. Everybody has a birthday. Okay, Everybody is born into this life. And in a spiritual sense, everybody is born into that life. Everybody's born into the natural life, and every man must be born again into the spiritual life. We don't ease into it and gradually. And when did you get saved? I don't know. I've just always kind of believed. When did you get born again? When was your birthday? I don't know. I've just always kind of been living. You know, uh, we might not remember our actual birthday when we were born. Probably don't. But... uh, We have a natural birthday when we're born into this life, and we have a spiritual birthday 
even if you can't, don't have it written down, there was a day that you passed, if you're saved today, there was a day that you passed from death to life. Amen? There was a day that we were washed in the blood of Jesus. There was a moment, maybe at an altar, maybe praying with your parents at home, uh, a day when you were cleansed from your sin, a day when you became born of the Spirit of God. Amen? I want you to look in John chapter 3. Again, I know this, this is basic for most of us, but God wants us to think about it. It's amazing when you really think about it. Look at John chapter 3. Let's read verses 1 through 3 right now. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus. So he's a Pharisee. He would have been a religious man. He would have been, obviously, he came to Jesus by night. He was a seeker. Okay, all these things uh, looked in his favor, spiritually speaking. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know thou art a teacher. So he knew that Jesus was a teacher. He says, Sent, come from God. For no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. He wasn't a blasphemer. He wasn't saying you do this by the power of Satan. He was interested. He was intrigued. He was moved. And he came to, to speak to Jesus. Jesus answered and said, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And it's interesting because Nicodemus was not talking about any of those things. He's talking about miracles and your teacher. And Jesus cuts right to the chase, gets right to the point, and says, Nicodemus, you... You must be born again. You must be born again. Nicodemus doesn't understand. Can a man enter his mother's womb when he's old and be born again? And Jesus says in verse 6, That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. And he says back in verse 5, Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Except a man be born of water and spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. You must be born again. You must be born again. I heard, uh, I was reading, I think it was D.L. Moody, saying that men could travel this whole world and see a lot of amazing things, but if you're not born again, you'll never see the kingdom of God. Never. You'll stand up before him as judge at the great, great white throne judgment, and that's it, and then you're sent to the second death. You must be born again. And we're, that which is born of the flesh, look at verse 6, is flesh. And that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. If you're saved, Christ is in you now. We have a new life. We have resurrection life. We have his life in us. And it happened when we trusted in the Lord. It didn't, it didn't happen gradually over a long period of time somewhere along the line. I just, I don't know, I woke up and I was a Christian one day. That's not what's taught in the scriptures. And I think we need to, we know that. We need to be clear on that. We need to be clear on that when we're presenting the gospel to our children or to others. A lot of times children just grow up in the church. And they've been to every vacation Bible school. And then when they get too old for vacation Bible school, they help with vacation Bible school. And they go to the different youth meetings and they they know they, they're used to going to prayer meetings on Sunday nights and to church on Wednesday, and they're used to all of that. 
But they have to be born again. And a lot of the children in our church are, praise God, but some may not be. You can't just, I don't know that you know this. We can't just assume and take it for granted. They're just grandfathered into this thing. God doesn't have grandchildren. He's got children. We're not grandfathered into Christianity. You must be born again. You might have five kids, four are born again and one's not. That fifth one has to be. We have, they must be born again individually. And there's a specific moment where they pray. Now, a lot leads up to that. I will say that, and to make this clear in the message, uh, you might wrestle with God and run from God, you know, for 20 years of your life. You might have people praying for you and sharing the gospel with you, inviting you to church, and sometimes you've gone and sometimes you hadn't. All that may be bringing you to Christ, but we're talking about this morning is that moment when you give your life to Christ. That is a moment. That is a specific time where you're no, you relinquish the lordship of your life. I've been fighting it. I've been fighting God. I've been not wanting to surrender because I have to give up this, that, and the other, whatever we think. At some point, we come to the place where we surrender it. A lifetime may have led up to that. Think about Dee's grandmother, uh, uh, Reggie's mom. and All of her life, she was a very good person. All of her life, she helped other people. Uh, she raised people, nephews and so forth, that weren't her children. She'd give them the shirt off of her back, but she never knew she was a sinner. And when we, when we talked to her about the Lord, she said, I'm a good person. But there was a moment, uh, two weeks, I think, before she, the Lord called her home, almost 100 years old, she gave her life to Christ. Her eyes were opened. She realized she had sinned against Almighty God. And she gave her life to the Lord. It was a moment. It was a specific time. And guess what? You say, well, nobody's got time in two weeks to bear fruit. She bore fruit. We were there all the time. And she was sharing the gospel with people that were coming to visit her on her deathbed, basically. She was sharing the gospel and smiling and laughing like I'd never seen her before. Wonderful grandmother, wonderful person, wonderful grandmother today, uh, all of her life. But there came a moment where she got saved. You can say, well, a lot led into that. Yes, a lot of prayer, a lot of trying to share the gospel with her. A lot of things brought her to that point. But what we're talking about this morning is that point, that moment. It happened. You got saved the moment that you trusted in the Lord. It happened when you trusted in Christ, believed his gospel, were washed in his blood, surrendered to him, repented. You gave your life to the Lord. It happened when you cried out, save me. And you meant it, and you were saved. I think about Peter on that a boat, the disciples, and the, the storms at night, and they're scared, and they think they're going to drown out in the middle of the sea, and their boat's going to be capsized, and they see Jesus coming on the water. I know that you know the story. Jesus walking on the water to them at midnight. They think it's a spirit, and he, and, and they, he says, don't be afraid, it's me. Peter says, if it's really you, Lord, bid me to come unto you. He says, come on. Well, we know the story. He steps out on the water. He's walk Peter now is walking on water, and he's getting close to the Lord, and he looks around him. He sees the storm and the waves and the winds, boisterous, and he gets scared, and he begins to sink. What does he say then? Two words. Save me. <laughs> Lord, save me. I think three words. Lord, save me. And Jesus instantly, it says, instantly grabbed him by the hand and lifted him up, and immediately they were on the boat. I kind of think, I know that was a physical, that wasn't spiritual salvation. But to me, it's a good picture of salvation, genuine salvation. We're sinking in our sin. 
in our life and in despair and we're separated from God because of our sin. And at some point, the light bulb comes on. Maybe after 50 years, okay? Maybe the first time you hear the gospel, but your spiritual eyes are open. There's some moment when, like Peter, you say, save me, I'm drowning. And at that moment, he saves us. He lifts us up. And we're safe back on the boat, so to speak. Our feet are established upon a rock. He lifted us out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay, set our feet upon a rock, and established our goings. There's a lot that can lead into that. You can have a long journey, wilderness in this world. Some people have a long journey, and they get saved late in life, like Dee's grandmother. Some people are saved, like Dee, when she's five years old, baptized in the Holy Ghost before she's six years old. It, but there's things that might lead up to that. But there's that moment when you give your life to Christ. And it's that way for every man, every person. If you're going to be saved, we're going to be saved that way. There's a moment where we consciously surrender to the Lord and say, save me. You must be born again. It's not evolution, but a new creature. Think about a wedding. A wedding where... Somebody, some people plan their weddings for a long time, maybe a year in advance, even some people, for however long. They plan it for a long time, and they get everything detailed out, and the flowers and the date and where they're going on the honeymoon. Everything's just all lined out. But there's a moment standing at that altar in the sight of God and man where the woman and the man say to each other, I do. A year leading up to it, but there's a moment where they gave themselves to each other and the two became one. And God, the Lord, gives salvation, at wedding, a marriage as a picture of salvation, of Christ and his church. We've had a couple of babies born very recently in our church. Praise God. Those, those were nine months of labor, you know. There were labor pains. There were doctor's visits. There were sonograms. And here's what the baby looks now. And looks like now. And they get in the baby's room ready and all that kind of stuff. Getting the bag packed in case we got to run to the hospital quick. All that for nine months. But there's a moment when that child was born. Right? There's a moment. And it's the same for us in Christ where we become new. Okay? Not only created by God, but a son of God. A daughter of God. Passed from death to life. Charles Darwin, I know that you know you know, the father, father of evolution, basically, in this theory, and it is a theory only, but in his book, Origin of Species, he talks about something he calls natural selection, where nature, basically, this invisible hand that guides everything and forms and creates and, and brings things to a higher state of, of being, that nature uses random. This is the two key ingredients of this theory, which it is a theory, it's not... It's false science. But nature uses, according to Charles Darwin, random mutations over what? A long period of time. You just need, give it more time. This little amoeba, it it can become an elephant. We just got to give it more time, right? And so we see this, that the, the mutations are always seem to be improving life, you know, a higher level uh, or more advanced, more fit to survive plant or animal or man 
the fittest survive and, and live on and produce creatures that are more fit than themselves to survive and the less fit die out. But according to the Word of God, Bible, the, the Lord says that God created everything and He cr- created man in His own image. And when He finished, it was good. It was very good. What's my point of this? It's not evolution. Creation and all that's created, those trees and everything, and the ability for that tree to have another tree, to drop an acorn, and it go into the ground. You ever pull them out of your flower bed? Got an oak tree somewhere around, and they blow into your yard, and you say, I didn't plant any oak trees. And you got uninvited oaks that are, are growing in your flower bed, and you got to pull them up. How is that? That, that didn't come about by... Uh, by evolution that came about because God created everything and he says God said let the earth bring forth grass the herb yielding seed and the fruit tree yielding fruit after his kind whose seed is in itself upon the earth and it was so and it's that's repeated in the six days of creation the pelicans would bring forth other pelicans the pelican wouldn't bring forth uh, a, a blue marlin okay they are a squirrel they were, they were producing like kinds. And so what's the point of this? The point of this is that Jesus said, Ye are from beneath. I am from above. Ye are of this world. I am not of this world. Therefore I said unto you, You should die in your sins. For if you believe not that I am he, you should die in your sins. There's a kind. And I think we see it the same for the new birth as well. There's a kind. Things are made after their kind. That means their sort or their species. The pecan tree produces another pecan tree, right? And so Christ is going to produce in the new life of the person that he saved, Christ. He's going to produce Christ-likeness. For as he is, so are we in this world. And you have to be born again. You have to have that spirit or that seed of Christ, so to speak, in our life by the new birth. You can't just simply go through life trying to emulate Christianity and mock it and mimic it. and Not mock it, but mimic it and say, uh, what would Jesus do? Let me just try to do the same. You cannot. You cannot. And what would it avail? We die in our sins. If that's all, we must be born again. One must be born again. And so I want you to look at one more scripture here with me. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Now this whole chapter is dealing, it's a wonderful chapter, and it's dealing with the resurrection and then of Christ, and then it deals with the resurrection of our bodies, of believers, that we're going to receive new bodies, they'll be glorified one day in heaven. And Obviously, Paul's answering the question, what's that new body going to be like and so forth? But I want you to pick up and read with me in verse 45 through 48. And so it is written, the first man, Adam, was made a living soul. The last Adam, that's Jesus Christ, was made a quickening spirit. Let's skip to verse 47. The first man is of the earth, earthy. The second man is the Lord from heaven. As is the earthy, such are they also that are earthy. And as is the heavenly, such are they also that are heavenly. It's one or the other is the point. We see it it in nature. And then this is definitely speaking about spiritual. Adam and Christ. The first man is Adam. 
Everybody is the descendant of Adam. You don't have any choice in that. You have no choice in being a child of Adam. You have no choice in where you born in sin. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. We have no choice in that. You have no choice of your earthly parents. You didn't have any say-so in that. But you have every choice, and it's the most important choice you could ever make, about your second birth. No choice about that first birth. We were born a sinner, a child of Adam, okay? But you have every choice and a free will to make it, to choose Christ about that second birth. The second Adam, so to speak, is Christ. And the Bible says, again, as in, in Adam all die in Christ, all shall be made alive. As is the earthy, so are they that are earthy. So what's the point? I'll bring this to a close. The earthy, the fleshly, the carnal, just this, including my nature, heart, mind, speech, everything, spirit, and yours, the earthy that's just the child of Adam, can never on its own be anything other than that. The earthy is not evolving to be heavenly. The earthy is not evolving over a long period of time, coming to church enough, evolving to where that earthly, earthy becomes slowly a little more spiritual, a little more spiritual, a little more heavenly, a little more heavenly, and finally at some point, undefinite, an undefinable moment in time became heavenly. It does not work that way. Jesus told Nicodemus, you must be born again. Okay? Here we say as the earthy is always going to be earthy. It cannot be otherwise. The natural uh, mind is enmity with, carnal mind is enmity with God, is not subject to God, neither indeed can be. It's never going to be that. The heavenly is always going to be heavenly. When we're saved and we're born of the Spirit of God, that's when we go from being earthly to heavenly. Y'all know this. I know that you know it, but our fleshly bodies and our fleshly, everything about our carnal life, that fleshly life is not being in church, for example, being rehabilitated. Our, our lives, our lost man, that old man, is not being improved upon little by little. That lost man, that child of Adam, is not being rehabilitated and evolving from a lower spiritual state to a higher spiritual state. The old, I'm crucified with Christ, Paul said. That old man has to die. That you put off, Paul says in Ephesians, the old man, put it off. It means do away with it. Put off the old man, which is corrupt according to his deceitful lust. And be renewed in the spirit of your minds that you put on the new man, which after God is created in true right in righteousness and true holiness. There's a putting on like a garment, putting off like a garment and putting on. Okay. Again, does, does that mean we're perfected and Christ like the moment that we get saved? No, we've got a long way to go. Is a little baby perfect the moment that they're born? They might have jaundice. They might have spent the first three days in the hospital. Okay, they might have a hole in their heart and have a heart murmur. They might they got a lot of growing to do. But are they alive? Yes. Are they born? Yes. They have a birthday. Yes. Are they are they as living as they'll ever be? Yes. They were as live as they'll ever be. Right. And that's what we're talking about. We're new. The, the earthly is not becoming gradually passing from death to life. That life has to die. It is Christ in you, the hope of glory. 
It's Christ coming to live in us, that the life is now in us, and he passes us from death to life. And so the earthly is always going to be earthly. It's not gradually becoming heavenly. Saul of Tarsus, at whatever age he was, when he was persecuting Christians and traveling on a specific trip to persecute Christians in Damascus with letters and authority to go do it, the Lord knocked him off his horse, blinded him at noon. Happened in a moment. Was he, he, he said, Lord, who are you? I'm Jesus, whom you're persecuting. It's hard for you to kick against the pricks. Lord, he confesses him as Lord right there. Lord, what will you have me to do? Get up and go into Damascus. It'll be told what you should do. But that moment, he passed from death to life. He had a long way to go to become Paul the Apostle. He had a long way to go, and he says it in Philippians 3. I want to know him in the power of his resurrection so far. I've got so far to go. I'm pressing towards the mark. That's sanctification. That's growing and maturing in Christ. But there was a moment when he was born into this life, and it was on that Damascus road. And there's a moment when you and I and every man must be born into the life, this life. It means basically life in Christ, being a new creature, means saying goodbye to that old man, and that old life, and, and Basically, putting yourself into Christ fully, taking Christ fully, and we're made after his kind, right? The pecan trees, the trees produce after their kind, whose seed is in itself. The believer, we're now, are the, we're, we're made, being made after his kind. It is his life that is in us, amen? The carnal nature, carnal nature is still present, but we're not subject to it. When you're saved, that carnal man doesn't just go away, and we still have this. That carnal body is still there, but we have Christ in us now. We're not subject to that carnal nature. And I want to bring this to a close. And, and I know that it's uh, maybe sort of a different type of message for the church. Usually I just feel like the Lord's giving me messages just for the church that, that would, they're not salvation messages. But this message this morning... I want to say this, that two things. If, you're, if you are not saved, if you have gone to church maybe and been people in your family are Christians and so forth, but you're not born again, Jesus says you must be born again. You don't, through some evolutionary process over a long period of time with random mutations, become a Christian. We're born again. You must be born again. And there's a conscious choice you make of your will to surrender your life to Christ. In a moment, say, I give myself to you. Here I come. We're not perfected that day, but we are saved that day. We're washed in the blood of Jesus and robed in the righteousness of Christ. Amen? And for Christians, you say, well, what in the world does this have to do with me? It has to do with uh, how we view our salvation, how we present it to other people. How we present Christ when we're, when we're sharing the gospel with other people. To make it clear, like Jesus did, that you must be born again. It's not enough to be a good person, quote, a good person, hang out with Christians and go to church. You have to be saved. I have to be saved. Everyone must be born again. I'm going to close with this. Indeed, you can come. I want to read. This is what one man of God said when he was, when he was not a Christian, but he was looking at Christian people. Talk about being reproduced after Christ's kind, right? That same seed, Jesus is in us. He's, this is what he says. Just listen. Every now and then, 
one meets them, speaking of Christians, their very voices and faces are different from ours. Stronger, quieter, happier, more radiant. They begin where most of us leave off. They will not be very like the idea of the religious people that you've come to believe. They do not draw attention to themselves. So this is an outsider basically looking at believers. They don't draw attention to themselves. You tend to think that you are being kind to them when really they're being kind to you. They love you more than other men do, but they need you less. They will usually seem to have a lot of time, and you will wonder where it comes from. When you've recognized one of them, you'll probably recognize the next one more easily. And he goes, and I'm sure that they recognize one another. What's the point? The point is we're born again. The Spirit of Christ is in us. And in that life didn't evolve over a long period of time. That life was placed in us when we surrendered to Christ. Now that life is growing and developing, and there's more evidence of it, more fruit of it. But there had to be some point where that life was in us, where it wasn't before, and now it is. Amen? So it's just a wonderful message, a wonderful truth for us to know and to hold to. You can begin to play. The altars are open. If you're here this morning and you've grown up Christian or you're around Christian people all the time, you have to ask yourself, am I really saved? Do I really know the Lord? Have I ever been born again? And if you're a Christian and know that you're a Christian, then you need to come and thank God because you're saved and so was I by grace, by faith. It is a work of God where he came to live in my heart and your heart. And it is great salvation. And he is making us more like Jesus. And he, he does promise to never leave us nor forsake us. And it is a whole new life. It's We're passed from death to life. Come and just worship the Lord at the altar this morning. Thank him for saving you, for this gift of new life that he gave to us as soon as we called upon him. Call on the name of the Lord and you shall be saved.